You're listening to the Q's Podcast, episode 139. Thank you, Q's Podcast listeners, for tuning in. Today's conversation with Jeff Disterhoft will give you lots of inspiration and ideas for supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion with your staff, members, and communities. A Q's member, Jeff is president and CEO of $11 billion Green State Credit Union, headquartered in North Liberty, Iowa. My name is Lisa Hograff, and I'm Q's senior editor, as well as your host for this episode. Before we talk more about today's show, let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. Executives, managers, and board members, commit to creating a truly aware and inclusive culture at your credit union by attending the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Cornell Certificate Program starting online March 15th. Attendees will explore the processes that impact the ways people interact with each other as they learn from top Cornell University faculty. Having an inclusive work environment is not just a nice to have, it can make or break an organization. Commit to going beyond mere compliance and build a truly aware and inclusive work culture at your credit union. Register for the DEI Cornell Certificate Program today at cues.org slash ecornell hyphen DEI. I must say that the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Cornell Certificate Program is near and dear to my heart. I went through the inaugural program in early 2021 and learned so much. I am a stronger contributor to CUSE's internal DEI team because of it. Plus, I have been able to apply insights learned in the program to the DEI content we create regularly here at CUSE. In today's show, you'll learn more about the impactful DEI work of Green State Credit Union, the winner of this year's DEI Catalyst for Change Award. Sponsored by CUNA Mutual Group, this annual award goes to a credit union that has demonstrated sustained support for advancing DEI in its workplace, raised awareness of workplace diversity and inclusion issues, been a catalyst for change regarding workplace DEI, and or supported positive change within the industry, their organization, or their community. I think you'll find that Green State has done all of these things, and it plans to continue. In this show, Jeff talks about his credit union's bilingual strategy, Green State's two-pronged approach to helping close Iowa's racial homeownership gap. Iowa currently has the sixth largest racial homeownership gap in the nation. The backstory about what inspired Jeff's commitment to lead his credit union on a significant DEI journey, and how Green State has used podcasts to help communicate with staff, along with other internal DEI efforts at the credit union. Jeff also offers useful ideas for other credit unions that are interested in starting or continuing their DEI journey. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I much appreciate it. And congratulations on your credit union earning the Q's DEI Catalyst for Change Award for 2022. Oh, thank you so much. You know, we're, we're humbled by the recognition, as everybody knows. It's it really is very much a team effort, and we're honored, especially given all the great things that credit unions are already doing across the country these days. So very humbled and clearly a reflection of the wonderful team that we've uh, we've built here in the last uh, year or two. I've been really enjoying reading about what your team has been doing, and I'm really looking forward to talking more about it. But before we jump into talking about diversity, 
I wondered if you might have a quote or a mantra that you live by that you might be willing to share with our listeners. I don't know if I have one that I live by like all time, but one of my challenges here recently is to, um, to identify one per week, if you will. And so it's something I kind of reflect back on as I go through the week and maybe the um, stressful times therein. And um, my faith is very important to me. And so my, my mantra these days has been let go and let God, because I think sometimes I have a tendency to um, take control of things that I don't always have control over. And um, that can make for a stressful life. And so my, uh, my mantra here of late has been let go and let God. I love that. There are so many things that are beyond our control and getting in tune with that can really help us do what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, there's a natural tendency, especially for anybody that's in a leadership position or otherwise to, um, to look at the world around you and, and have maybe the, um, maybe a little bit of a warped perception about all the things that you can control and the things that you can't. And so um, I know I certainly can do a better job of recognizing those things that are in my control and those that are not. So I think that's a life lesson for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. All right. So let's get into the specifics a little bit more. So in your application, I was also reading that Green State launched last year a 10-year initiative to help close Iowa's racial home ownership gap. And that's a gap that ranks sixth largest in the nation. As I understand it, the goal is to fund more than a billion dollars in mortgage loans to people of color in all the communities you serve. Would you give us some background on how you set this goal and also how it's going? Sure. Well, first of all, as the number one mortgage lender in the state of Iowa, we really felt like we had a responsibility and an opportunity to close that staggering gap in homeownership between BIPOC and white communities. You know, as I'm sure you sense, homeownership historically has been such a huge generator of generational wealth. And, you know, you look back over the last few years as a perfect example, if you were a homeowner three years ago, you know, you've probably seen the, you know, at least up until the summer, you've probably seen the the value of your home increase 20, maybe 30% or more in some cases. And so if you were a homeowner, that's great. But if you weren't, or your family hasn't been a homeowner, you miss out on that, that generational wealth. And that generational wealth has such an impact on subsequent generations income and as a result their education and then as a result income and so it becomes kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy and so when we convened a couple of years ago you know our our senior team met with our board and out of those conversations we agreed to commit 10% of our assets over the next decade to home lending to people of color in the state of Iowa which as you said has the sixth worst home ownership gap uh, in the nation and so for us, that equated to roughly a billion dollars. We're an $11 billion organization today. And through our special purpose credit program, we're also able to offer down payment assistance and other credit counseling, credit counseling services to those who qualify. And so where we're at today is we've, to date, we've were about $275 million um, in not quite the first two years. And so we're in a good spot um, today. Um, but I don't want to just rest on those laurels. We're actually encouraging other credit unions, at least right now anyway, in the state of Iowa to join us in that effort. And that effort is to basically commit to doing 10% of their assets over the next 10 years in home loans to people of color to kind of erase that home ownership gap. And so that's the 1010 program. At the same time, I'd be remiss if I did mention that, that we also made commitments in three additional areas. Um, in total, we want to commit $20 million to either affordable housing support racial, immigrant, and refugee equity support, or climate and environmental sustainability. And so 
At the same time, we made that billion dollar commitment in loans. We also announced a $20 million commitment in, um, in just charitable support. So a really kind of a broad-based, uh, broad-based program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So affecting the situation in several directions. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I have no a dear friend it. in public health and she talks a lot now about how the public health people, and this is even before COVID, were trying to work more upstream, right? To mm. deal with the causes of the problems sure. that they were later treating as disease. So yeah. it sounds like you're looking with your charitable arm to maybe clo- help close the gaps that you're also trying to close with loans. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, I feel like in just one person's opinion, but it's a, obviously a very polarized political environment that we live in. So it's sometimes harder, I think, for public municipalities, et cetera, to really move the needle in some of the areas that they might have a passion about, but they just, they to some extent may be gridlocked in, in what they're trying to accomplish. At the same time, you know, with the economy being a little tighter right now, you know, some of the nonprofits may lack the resources. And so we felt like as a, as a, as a relatively small business, we provided the opportunity to maybe get things done quickly, but also at the same time have some resources to dedicate to it. And so if you, you marry those things together and then throw on top of it, the passion that we have, then I think you see what you, um, what you've seen here lately. It sounds like a good recipe. Yeah. Hope so. I was reading in your application for the award that Green State established its emergent bilingual strategy back in 2020. And the goal at that time was to address financial disparities and earn the trust of bilingual communities. Would you tell me more about that strategy and how it's going? Yeah, you bet. So first, a little bit about why we established the strategy. And the the short answer is we really wanted to grow among our Latino community. You know, Latinos are the largest minority group in our state and they're projected to double in size by the year 2050. And so, you know, it's, it's a growing part of not just Iowa's or Illinois' um, demographics, but quite frankly, the, the country's demographics. And so taking better care of the Latino community is, I think, one of those rare intersections where doing right also intersects with doing with, with good business. In other words, it's, it's right for those communities that may have been historically marginalized, but those are also growing communities. And so that's good for our business. And so, and we recognize, you know, Latinos fall on a spectrum of language usage. Some prefer English, others are bilingual. Uh, newer folks uh, to, the, to the country may prefer Spanish. So uh, very similar to other immigrant communities. So our goal is to serve them in the language that they feel most comfortable with. And so that's kind of where we're trying to get to. And now in terms of our successes, so far, you know, we look back over the relatively short amount of time that we've been doing this, we've doubled the size or the number of our bilingual staff employees. Uh, we began accepting foreign IDs for account opening. Uh, we're making our digital platforms available in Spanish, and we're building partnerships with immigrant serving organizations, which is, which is really a journey. But, you know, a lot of these communities don't necessarily think of us as Green State as the first place they might look to as a resource. And so, the first step is becoming a real trusted real resource. But the second part is helping people understand that we're available to them. And we can't do that on our own. We need the we need partnerships with those immigrant serving organizations to help get the word out. So that's kind of where we're at and what we've done so far. That's really interesting. Um, you know, we were talking before the show about how I grew up in Wisconsin. Yeah. And I actually spent a couple summers in Iowa doing dance camps and 
I have to admit that when we started preparing for the show, I thought Iowa, lots of Spanish speakers. That's not sure. what I remember. Of course, that was a hundred years ago. But two years um, ago, yeah. I tell me a little bit more. I understand the the intersection of what's happening with the business opportunity, but can you tell me a little bit more about how your credit union got started on this journey? Was it a personal experience? Was it an enthusiastic yeah. employee? The drive of the board? What just what is it that pushed this forward for you? It's a little bit of all the above, and I apologize for the length uh, of the story, but I need to kind of tell a story. I grew up in rural Iowa myself, and when I was in junior high, um, a young man moved to our community from Cambodia. Um, from the he was an immigrant from the uh, the killing fields of Cambodia, and as near as I could tell, he was the only person of color, not just in my community in eastern Iowa, but quite frankly, probably in the county uh, that I lived in here in eastern Iowa. And so we quickly became the best of friends. Um, we had a mutual love for basketball. And so we, we remained friends throughout uh, the rest of his time, our time in high school. And so I sort of grow, grew up with this, I think, misperception that I had race all figured out, that I didn't have any unconscious biases. And then fast forward 20, you know, five years later, 30 years later, our son um, was taking a class called, I think, Politics and Law at the University of Iowa. And uh, every Sunday night, we would drive him home back, or I would drive him back to college. Uh, he would grace us with his presence for dinner. And uh, in exchange, we got to drive him back to college. And he started, as part of his class, he started asking me questions about my views on race and politics. And a few things became clear over the course of the semester. One, I didn't have it all figured out in terms of the systemic oppression of people of color in our country for hundreds of years. Two, I had a lot of unconscious biases that had not been properly addressed. Um, and three, I could do more as an individual, and I felt like Green State could do more as an organization. And so that was five or six years ago. And so in the years that elapsed since then, I really tried to immerse myself in understanding, again, the systemic oppression of people of color in our country. And so that involved a lot of reading, a lot of watching, a lot of talking, um, a lot of lunches to get different perspectives. And so, again, I, I guess I set off on this journey to try to learn more about what things I could and should be doing differently or better to, um, to reverse that which has been done the last 250 years. So I get done with that journey. And at the same time, I kind of get done with that learning process. The uh, George Floyd um, tragedy takes place. And it was an intersection of time where I felt like, okay, I, I'd kind of, I've kind of been almost preparing for this time frame. And so, thankfully, uh, we had a board that was also that was also very and still is very passionate about um, improving our service to people of color. And so, it was a passion of mine. It was a passion of our board, uh, and it was a moment in time that all came together that really provided a flat a platform for us to you know do something more than what we'd been doing and so that was really kind of the genesis for it in the um in the first place i apologize for the length of the story but that's that's really how it came to be not at all that's a wonderful story and i i appreciate you telling it very much i see that green state has been doing some podcasting in support of these initiatives not just the Q's podcast today but your own shows Please tell us about the Green State of Mind podcast and the Green State Unplugged podcast, including why you chose the podcast format for the outreach and where listeners can access the shows. 
Yeah, so there are two different podcasts and two different kind of purposes, if you will. First of all, but let me speak to the why, why the podcasts. And, you know, we've got roughly a thousand employees. And to some extent, I think that we approach our employees as we approach our own members and how we market to them. And some members, you know, prefer videos, some prefer audio, some prefer to read, some prefer digital, some prefer, prefer print, et cetera. And so with a thousand employees, we realize that they're all going to want to take in content in different ways as well. And so I think one of the things that we've tried to do in the last few years is to, to mix it up. So whether it's a podcast, uh, a weekly video uh, that we send out every Friday, um, a weekly email that also goes out every Friday, we try to meet people where they want to be met, if you will. And so with that in mind, we do have two strictly internal uh, podcasts. Um, the Green State of Mind is, uh, is a monthly podcast that um, really just kind of brings people up to speed on what's going on within the organization. It might be a topic of the day, might be a particular area of interest. And then we have the Green State Unplugged, um, which is more towards our DEI efforts. And we've had four episodes thus far, pride, mental health, holiday seasons, and race. And so that's also an internal uh, podcast. And it's just really, again, creates a variety of ways for our employees to learn. And so it's easy thing to kind of have a reference they can listen to in their car, on their, at their desk, while they're working out, going home, whatever. So again, we're just trying to meet people where they, um, where they can be met. I totally hear you as a, as a longtime editor in the credit union space, how we've gone from just print, mostly print, to a few e-newsletters, to websites, to podcasts and videos. And sure, I haven't yet done TikTok. We'll see. Um, <laughs> you and me both are neither, I should say. So. <laughs> um, I, so my understanding is that the green state of mind is internal and green state unplugged is something more public. Is that right? No, actually, both of them are internal. Oh, both of them are internal. So this yeah, is talking so. about credit, what the credit union is doing with the staff to reinforce yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Very good. Very cool. I love it. So I haven't noticed that Green State has almost 11 billion or maybe even over 11 billion in assets. What advice would you give to smaller credit unions that want to start a diversity outreach initiative? Yeah, I don't know that it really depends on the size of the institution. I do think there are some kind of must-have uh, kind of things. First of all, I think you have to have some passion at the top of the organization. By that, I mean both the board and the CEO. You know, I think a, a successful DEI initiative oftentimes start by just acknowledging what must change internally before implementing an, ex, an external plan. So if for any reason you feel like you have it all figured out, then this probably isn't the path for you. You got to recognize that there's going to be some gaps. And if you do, that's a place to start. And so it can also be started by leveraging resources that you have internally, such as the folks that you already have on your team. And, and from there, you create a committee, right? And that's the way it often starts, create a committee that's going to um, evaluate your staff diversity, how inclusive your workplace is, and how your current policies may or may not be excluding members of color and immigrant members. But again, without that passion at the top, then I think it's, as, as it is with any initiative, it's probably tough for it to succeed. If you, if you get that passion, then I think really good things can happen because you can, in today's day and age, you can attract the right people to your organization, people that see that vision, that join in you, join with you in that vision. And uh, that's where things get exciting. That's where things get fun. Indeed. So we've talked a lot about your external programs and we've talked a little bit about the internal podcasts, but can we talk a little bit more about the internal work at the credit union in terms of DEI? What are some things that stand out for you? Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. You know, first, putting action behind our words by hiring someone dedicated 
to be our diversity, equity, and inclusion coordinator. His daily focus is to continue to build on Green State's value system and help foster an inclusive environment among amongst other items. So the second thing I'd call attention to is just our, our Grow Career Development Program. It's a, a career development program that will help employees with their opportunity to achieve their full potential by helping them identify their career goals and providing the tools and resources needed to achieve them. So the program has three learning pathways, six competencies therein. So we've partnered with LinkedIn Learning and our own internal uh, learning management systems. Doing so, staff will have the opportunity to learn and develop in each of those six areas. And so in leveraging diversity, there are more than 25 options for staff to engage in, read, watch, and listen to to further them on their own DEI journeys. And then the, the last thing I, I call attention to, and I mentioned earlier, is just our employee resource groups. Um, they play a significant role within our company. We've got five of them right now. Uh, Rainbow Connections, Women's Impact Network, uh, so most uh, Green State, the Green State Association for Black Employees and Inspiration. So we look forward to adding more in the futures, but these spaces are important because they really help us build community and camaraderie across the company. Um, and those involved can see other employees who look like them and discuss ways for our cultures to improve because it really is a, uh, it's a journey, not a destination. There's never going to come a day where we have it all kind of completely figured out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to to keep on keeping on with this, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Very much so. Well, I want to be respectful of you, your time today, Jeff, but before we wrap up the show, may I ask you, what is something that I didn't ask you about that you kind of wish I had? And then will you tell me something about that additional topic? Yeah. You know, if there's any topical per se, I would just remind everybody that, you know, the old saying, every journey begins with the first step. And so the first step is, uh, is always the toughest, but uh, once you start on that, that path, um, some really amazing things can happen. Second, as we were talking kind of before we started here today, don't underestimate how much your DEI efforts can really resonate with staff throughout the organization. So often in our industry, it's easy to get caught up in the numbers, the dollars and cents, and really forget about the impact we can make on people's lives. And that resonates not only with the communities that you serve, but also with the employees who see those communities being served. And you know, I was talking to the CEO earlier today, said there was 1.9 jobs for every, or 1.9 jobs for every person who looks for a job right now. And it's helpful when, when potential employees see the commitment that you make towards DEI, it can really be a differentiator for, um, for you as a potential employer. So don't underestimate the value there. And then the third and final option, um, just be prepared to make some mistakes along the way and give yourself some grace. I, I know, you know we're relatively new in our journey and there have some, been some difficult conversations. There's been some hurt feelings from time to time, but those are all reflections of our learning, right? And if, if we're making some mistakes, that means we're learning and we're getting smarter as we go. So give yourself some grace, give some grace to those around you um, and get a little bit smarter as you go. Give yourself some grace, keep learning. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Jeff. Thank you, Lisa, much appreciated. I would like to thank you, our listeners, for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to today's episode of the Q's podcast. And many thanks to Jeff for sharing so many useful insights. To get more information about the Q's DEI Catalyst for Change Award and all the Q's awards, visit cues.org slash recognition. Find a full transcript of this episode at cumanagement.com slash podcast 139. You can also find more great credit union specific content at cumanagement.com. 
You can also find Q's content specifically about diversity, equity, and inclusion at cumanagement.com slash diversity hyphen equity hyphen inclusion. Thanks again for listening today. Q's is an international credit union association that champions and delivers effective talent development solutions for executives, staff, and boards to drive organizational success.